Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. We're on episode 10 and as a treat for this, I have got an amazing guest for you today. I am joined by the music legend that is Jeffrey Bryan. Now Jeffrey is a composer, singer-songwriter, keyboard player, guitar player, actor. There's nothing this guy hasn't done. He's had a career that stemmed from the early 80s and still going strong now. We talk about a number of different things in the podcast, including how he's part of the original Karate Kid. The original one, not the shit new one, the good one. Arguably the best film ever made. Fight me. We also go through a number of different things about what it was like to be part of the Sunset Strip in the late 80s and when that was dying down and his inspirations to move into different directions, which was fascinating to listen to. We also go through a number of different things about how he actually became part of the band Survivor. To this day, he's still part of them, still tours with them. Really funny story. And he's also part of the KTL All-Stars, which is an absolutely fantastic group as well. So, guys... I don't want to spoil it for you. I hope you enjoy it. Please share it with your friends. Send it out there. I had a really good time. Jeffrey is such an amazing guy. His story is fantastic, really down to earth. So without further ado, please welcome the absolutely amazing and extremely talented Jeffrey Bryan. Hey right, guys, we're live. Jeffrey, how you doing? Good. Thank you, Ryan. All fun and games, mate. How, how, I was going to say, how, you, you mentioned the temperature before we came on the air. It's, it's baking over your end of the woods, isn't it? Yeah, I know. We're, uh, we're, we're right there with you in, in L.A. Now, now, there's actually pretty cold areas in parts of the U.S., but right now, it's hot on the West. Hot in the West. I, tell you, but I mean, it's it? June, you know? I mean, it's expected. I was gonna say you. We I, I keep I keep taking the mic because when you say it's like so baking out there over in the UK, it is literally like twenty twenty five twenty six degrees, which is probably about sixty degrees your side, and yeah. um, that that is literally like the coldest day of the year for you guys, isn't it? No, in LA, no, you'd be surprised. It it can get cold. I oh, mean, really? we have we have far fewer days that get cold, cold, but that does get cold. So, um, like, uh, you know, you're going to have, um, rainstorms and it's going to, you know, it snows here, not where I am, but it snows up in the mountains. And when that happens, it's cold, but, but we don't have seasons. It's like cold uh, days, yeah. then a season of heat, then cold days, then a season of heat. That, that would confuse the absolute hell out of me, to be honest. It's like, especially if you go shop and you find yourself some new gear, you're like, oh, I'm going to wear this today. And it's like a nice well, little coat and all that sort of stuff. And then well, next thing you know, it's like fucking baking hot. Yeah, right. Well, in LA, that's the funny thing. Everybody's wearing shorts, no matter what the weather is, because they gave up. They just said, screw it. it. It'll get hot eventually. So <laughs> people are going out in the rain and they're, they're wearing a tank top and shorts. And... <laughs> <laughs> you can't go so. on with it. You can't go with it. So, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today tonight. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of stopping myself of fanboying out, to be fair, because. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. When it, when, when yeah, obviously you got in touch, I was like, oh my god, oh my god. But it's, um, but I want to take you back. I want, to, I want to take you back to talk about yourself more than anything else. I want to take you back. You're a, you're a plucky 15 year old kid. Yeah. You've got a dream, you're sitting there, you're going, what am I going to do in my life? And all of a sudden, you've got an opportunity to go on Merv Griffin. What happened there? Tell me the story behind this. What happened here? Uh, you're talking about Karate Kid? Well, I'm talking about well, well. Oh, you mean the, the beginning of the beginning? Oh, yeah. I want to go. I'm going right to the beginning. All right, right I'm on. going right to the beginning, um, Jeff. Come on. Well, I, I was a singer. That's what I kind of fell in love with, voices. I liked, I liked uh, singing. It wasn't so much that I was trying to be a musician at that time. I was 13, 14, and I, I was getting a lot of attention by singing. I, I found uh, I could, you know, uh, people seemed to like my, my voice at that age. So it, it gave me encouragement. I, 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 uh, I didn't really discover how much I liked music until I started singing a little bit more and realized 
I got to sing other people's songs. I can't, I got to sing my own songs and not other people's songs all the time. And that's what led me to, to learning to, to play guitar and led me to the piano. Um, but uh, yeah, I was a musician growing up in the, in the 80s, early 80s. I was, that's what I played at every club you can think of in up and down the Sunset Strip and, and beyond. And, and I had all my own bands and I did open mic nights. And I did my bands and I, you know, that's what I was doing. Primarily. At the so you, you were basically right in the thick of it when literally during the 80s, the Sunset Strip and all that sort of stuff was really, was like the pivotal, that, that's where everyone wants to be. That's oh, uh, yeah. all that sort of stuff. What was that, what was that like for like such a, like a young kid and all that? Well, what was that sort of thing? Well, just to be clear, I'm a little bit, I was probably a little too young to enjoy the Sunset Strip as, as an 18 year old would. I was probably about 15 or 13 when that was all going down. By the oh, wow. time I got to be about 18, 19, 20, the Sunset Strip had started to slow down a bit. Right. Um, it was still, you know, they had Gazaris and Rainbow and, and uh, you know, Club Lingerie and all the, El Centro, which is, which is now um, uh, the Viper Club, uh, Viper Room. So, I mean, all those places are, are historic, but by the time I got there, they were, all, they were already kind of on the, on the downslide. Um, and by the way, the Sunset Strip was really known for the hair bands. That's what it was, you know, Warrant, yeah. uh, you know, Guns N' Roses and, and, and bands that, that, that were like really hard. Um, I was more of a pop guy. And okay. so uh, there were, you know, I, I started as a singer. I wanted to be heard in, 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 in heavy metal bands. It's, this last, I mean, it's important, but um, you got to compete with a lot of other things. <laughs> so as a kid, I, I kind of, I kind of uh, found myself uh, kind of leaning toward songwriters like Billy Joel, um, uh, and then on more on the eclectic side like Supertramp, and, and just, just things where I, I, I love songs. I was a song guy. I, if, I didn't care of the band so much, but the songs, if they were good songs and I could sing them, I, I was into it. So I was, I was a little different than the typical um, LA hairband guy that was trying to, you know, had a guitar and was trying to get out there and rock. I, I was, I was a little, so, so the Sunset Strip was important to me in a historical sense. And I got to play it. I, yeah, you know, I've been playing at those places ever since. Um, but probably less is important musically for me, yeah. just because of the nature of the people that played there. Do you think that, do you, do you think that kind of hindered you a little bit? Not because, not hindered yourself, more than anything, but hindered you uh, going forward with that expectation because the genre wasn't hot right at that sort of point in time. Do you think because of the, the you're more of like an, um, a popular well, thing, do you think that hindered you? Well, in the 70s, which I was too young to, to experience like I did the 80s, um, it was the era of the songwriter. And then by the time the 80s came, you had synths and little louder guitars. And so things got a little bit more into the hairband thing. So yeah, there was a little bit of this you know, if it doesn't rock, we're not interested kind of thing yeah. for a little while. L.A. was a tough place and it was pretty much a hard rock city, you know, like Detroit or something. You know, it was, it was a heavy metal place. So that, well, oh, that's it then. And it is, it's, it's been renowned for that. It's been, oh, it's obviously yeah. things change. But, but uh, I mean, but it was such a large place. I mean, it's still, a, it's a large spread out community and there's, you know, it wasn't all about the Sunset Strip. There were other, many, many other venues that weren't necessarily considered to be, you know, hard rock venues, so to speak. The Sunset Strip is just one little half mile strip of, of clubs. It's not really the whole picture. You know, I was going to say, it must be a bit, it, it must be a bit, I was going to I don't want to say disrespectful, but a bit crap for the rest of the, the major clubs in the area because they were just as good, maybe even better and uh, that era just because yeah. of one little strip has been famous for a few bands who've made it famous but I would imagine there would be a lot of other places that everyone goes to as well well you know because it's the 80s I don't think about it in that way anymore but at the time yeah very frustrating there were uh, I think a lot of guys a lot of a lot of musicians in that era were were somewhat drawn to what was happening in England and with the new wave movement back then, because they yeah. were sort of an answer to this heavy metal, heavy band, you know, heavy hair band stuff. And so, you know, you had uh, Roxy Music and, 
and uh, you know the police and a whole bunch of other stuff that that was like okay now that's cool you know um so yeah it, it was tough in the sense that if you wanted to go out and perform it was easy if you were a, a heavy if you were a heavy metal band or a, a rock band um but not to say there wasn't an audience for the other it just was a little it took a little more time you know did you ever like the the uk scene the new wave scene you, uh, was that oh, something you took advantage of yeah yeah again I, like i said again i was more of a song guy so if 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 you know uh, uh abc had great songs you know i listened to them a lot uh growing up um I mentioned Roxy Music, Brian Ferry, Peter Gabriel. Oh yeah, um, you know I could go on and on. I mean these are these are my guys. You know these are these are the this that was my my soundtrack. You know, I noticed on your Facebook group is on your page as well. You had uh, you did um, uh, the David Bowie uh, Life on oh, Mars. Oh, Life on Mars. I just oh my yeah, god. I was I was looking at that. that was the first thing I posted, and oh my god, that was such a great rendition of it as well. Thank you, I, thank uh, you. Honestly, I was like, my god, this is amazing. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, I um, was a little nervous about that song. I've always loved it, but um, it's kind of hard to do it without thinking. I mean, David Bowie was so, uh, uh, you know, he his 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 persona was so. Uh, glued to everything he did that it's almost mm. hard to do a song of his without trying to channel that sound. It's very hard to make your own, I think, when when it comes to him in particular. And I, I try to do these songs with my own, uh, you know, my own take, my own, my own, you know, influence. But with that particular, with the David Bowie song that you're speaking of, it was, I, I couldn't, some of the phrasing, I couldn't even get away from it. It had, you know, it's very, very, uh, very David Bowie, like if you know what I mean. Well, that's the thing. It's like he's the only one that can get away with it. You know what I mean? I know. It's, it, it's so theatrical, you know. Yeah, it, it is. And he was, <laughs> he was more of, he was more of like, um, obviously he was an, he, he was more of a, a singer, songwriter, but he was more of an artist sort of thing. Yeah. And he was more a theatric artist and stuff. And that's something that, that a lot, of, a lot of people can't actually comprehend and can't actually. Uh, have right now to be fair you know yeah well he he was a little bit of um you know musical theater in a, in a sense he took rock he used rock music as a basis for what he was doing but i mean you know ziggy stardust and all his characters they were uh they were something we never saw before you know and in in rock music so he's he was ex exceptionally talented and, and sorely missed and then he busted out the labyrinth which is oh. basically the best film ever. <laughs> One of yeah. my favorite kids' films I've ever seen. I've, I'm waiting for um, my daughter. He was, he was like born for that role, you know? He was, he was. He was literally born for it. And I'm waiting for my daughter. She's only four. She's coming five soon, but I don't think she can handle the labyrinth just yet. Oh. So when she gets a know. little bit older, I'm yeah. hoping, if she doesn't like it, I am basically going to make her, I'm going to uh -oh. force her to like this. <laughs> so when she gets older and says, labyrinth's my favorite film. She'll like, she'll like. Oh, she'll best do. Otherwise, we'd have words, I tell but you. Thank you for that compliment. I appreciate it. Nah, not at all, not at all. But um, so, so, so you've been, you, you've had a, a crazy career, to be fair, Jeffrey. You've had uh, yeah. an amazing one. And one thing that I didn't realize, it was the Karate Kid. And um, I didn't realize that, that you, you were, I mean, part of that, to be quite honest with you. I didn't. I didn't hear the question. I'm sorry. Sorry, I just said um, you, you were a um, you were you were a big part of the Karate Kid. You're in that oh, as oh. the original. Yeah, the, the original Karate Kid. Um, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I, my part, actual acting part in it, was rather small, as it turned out. It didn't start that way. Um, originally, a lot of they had um, they had the Cobra Kai group, which were you know the tip, the guys that were in the the dojo. And then they had a group of, of guys that he met at high school that were not necessarily karate. It was kind of strange that it was a, the script as it typically is in, in Hollywood is the scripts are longer and then they cut them down to make a story out of it. And it was a little confusing. They had a group of his so-called friends that they really didn't explore their, their um, relationships. Uh, they disappeared. Are you still there? No, I'm still here. I'm still here. Oh, okay. Should I just keep talking? Yeah, there yeah, you yeah, go. yeah, 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 go for oh, Okay. Anyhow, uh, so visually, my part was 
kind of small at the end of it. But yeah, I was at the very beginning. I, I was there from the when they were rehearsing, uh, when when they were uh, doing the karate uh, lessons for everyone, and uh, I was there from the very beginning. It was very uh, unusual for me. It was the first move. Was it the first? It was actually the second movie I was in. But uh, I was in another movie, which we don't have to talk about. Um, but uh, that movie was the first time I was in a big production movie. And um, it, it was in, it would de very different, it, very different than being in a low budget movie or a smaller kind of thing. Uh, and plus, you had a lot of people in that movie that had a lot more lines than I did, so <laughs> it wasn't that important. You know, I'm I'm going to have to touch on it because you said not to worry. What was the first movie? Hot moves. What was that all about? Hot moves. Hot moves. M O V E S. Right. Okay. Explain. Explain this movie because this sounds <laughs> interesting. To be fair, because you yeah, it so, sounds like a not, porn, doesn't it? You're not getting away from this. To be honest, <laughs> this sounds amazing. Um, you can find it on YouTube. The whole movie. It's oh, really? Called, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's there. It's called Hot Moves. Uh, it was released in 1984. Remember Porky's? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know if that was popular where you were. But, oh, massive. Uh, yeah, 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 massive. Uh, Fast Times Richmond High. I remember that yep, one? Fast Times Richmond High. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah Sean yeah. Penn and, yeah. Um, that's what it was kind of in that era where everybody was, you know, nowadays everybody makes a horror film cheap because it's easy to get out and it'll make yeah. some money. Back then it was, you know, coming, growing up films, you know, with, with uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, sex, drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, you get that, don't you? Because you get that sort of stuff. The early two thousands, you had um, American Pie and all that sort of stuff. It's that similar yeah. sort of age. It's, I guess it's very American, you know, to the coming of age thing. I, I don't know. I you don't see this. You don't seem to see those kind of films elsewhere. It seems like an American invention. I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. But to be fair, we we all got them. We've got some in the UK as well. We have some crazy, stupid films like that in the uk so it's not yeah. just everywhere not just didn't yeah, yeah. can't lie to you the u.s cannot uh, hold the flag up for it they're, they're the ones paving the way <laughs> <laughs> but we we, we could uh, jump on the shoestring so so you so you went from the acting side of things yeah did you not want to keep going with the acting or did you, well, was it your passion in music yeah acting was never part of my plan i mean it was not that i could not as it, you know, not everybody has a plan, but when I was, yeah. uh, what was I, 18, 17 years old, um, you know, it, it was sort of an accident, to be honest. I, uh, I was uh, performing in a, in a club as I was, I mean, I've performed just on just thousands of venues uh, throughout the, throughout the, um, the 80s. So, I mean, it wasn't unusual for me to be on a Saturday night somewhere. And there was a show I used to be part of which was called um, Too Short for Primetime Players. And it was performed at the Roxy and uh, wow. the Roxy on Sunset. But here's the, here's the thing. It was a show uh, put on for literally the young, really young kids. It was birthday parties. And they would have these uh, actors and singers and bands come in and do a variety show for birthday parties. I don't know, at the time, I guess they thought they needed to, uh, uh, bring in some money to the Roxy or something, but diverse the audience. I don't know what the deal was there, but it was clearly not an, a, not a children's venue. And yet on Sundays it was play school. But one thing it gave me was um, the ability to perform every Sunday and, you know, just do different songs, constantly perform and be in front of a big audience on a big stage with a good sound system. And that I have to say was a very, very good, um, learning experience for me and I would I would never want to give that up I'm very fortunate to have that and during that period they it got so popular that I don't now I'm really showing my age Merv Griffin you is that ring a bell Merv Griffin used to be like the tonight show yeah uh, yeah his, yeah that, we know, you know I love a bit. Kind, kind, I'm yeah. kind of thinking about it yeah but I think I know yeah Merv Griffin was they had these you know they had Johnny Carson and there was Merv Griffin and there was yeah. you know all kinds of all kinds of people um Anyway, he was popular through the 70s and the eight, early 80s. And he had a show, uh, I'm sorry, he had a segment that he wanted to feature uh, some of the kids from the show. And so I guess somebody from the show came down and said, you wanna be on the show? You wanna be on the show? And they picked me. 
uh, as one of the kids to go represent this show. And I, I sang a song on national TV. That was my first experience uh, on, on television. Wow. What and, was the song uh, you sung? I sang, they wouldn't let me sing my own. I was really pissed uh, because I, they didn't have, uh, I guess they only would allow me, they, they gave me a list of songs that I could select from a publishing list. So it's all about what they were clearing. And apparently they wouldn't let me sing my own. But anyway, I, I sang The Best of Times by Styx. <laughs> what well, to be fair, that's a good song to sing to be fair. That's a belter. I was, hey, I'm a, I'm a huge Styx fan. I always was. Dennis DeYoung was, was one oh, of my, yeah. uh, was one of my, uh, him and uh, there's a couple other singers I could mention that, uh, you know, um, that just were, you know, that's what I listened to. So I got to pick a Styx song. So I was happy. It's not too bad, actually. Well, you can't, you, you, you could, can't find a better song ever than do that. So, 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 so you did the, 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 um, the, the, I did the yeah, I did, I did the TV spot, uh, and that landed me an agent. Uh, ah. that's how I met this agency and th it was a manager actually. And he hooked me up with uh, a, a talent agency, which was really a commercial agency, an agency to get you onto commercials like Burger King commercials and stuff, which I never, ever got one. I, I just, <laughs> I, I was, you know, hey, let's be fair. I mean, I, I was, I wasn't a heavy metal rocker, but I was a rocker in my own way. You know, I, I had a yeah. rebellious side and I was sort of like all about music. And I, I was like, I'm not biting into this burger and smiling. This isn't, this isn't me. So I was, <laughs> I was young and kind of stupid, I guess, but, um, but I did get the movie roles. And unfortunately yeah. for me, the agency I was with at that time, their movie, uh, you know, their movie cat the area that they, they didn't have too many people doing movies. It was a commercial agency. So I would push them for movies. And that's how I got this, this hot moves. They, they sent me on an interview and, and, uh, and, and, you know, I look young for my age and I probably could play at 18, 14, <laughs> believe it or not. So, which didn't help me either. in you know, in some other areas, you know, but uh, it, it helped me for acting. And that was the only reason why I got into acting was because people saw they might, it was an era when uh, coming to age films were really popular and yeah. all you had to do was look young. No one knew if you could act. It really wasn't an issue at the time. Just, you look like the right guy, so you're on. And uh, you know, that, that's kind of, uh, now I could have pursued it more. Karate Kid, um, so I wanna, I wanna skip ahead on you. But during that, I carry on. during that time period, that's when I was going out on, on, on acting interviews and I started doing that more than I was doing music. And it was starting to eat at me. Um, yeah. You know, it wasn't, I didn't see at that time in my life and being as young as I was, I, I didn't see a path for me there. It wasn't something I was passionate about. Um, nor did I feel I was a good actor. I mean, it wasn't something I studied like I did with music and I kind of felt cheating. I know that's weird to say, but um, that's just who I was. It was like, I don't know, this acting thing. And so you just, things come at you in your life and um, you don't know why. And then in retrospect, you look back and go, wow, that was a cool opportunity. And so that's how that kind of stuff happened. When Karate Kid came around, that was another one of those summer interviews. Um, I met with John Avildsen. That was the, my my first interview with him, and uh, did some video stuff with on video camera interview. And uh, they gave me the part. It was supposed to be a two week part, and then the studio uh, wanted to keep us all on a lot longer because there was more in the script, and they didn't know how they wanted to edit the script down. So yeah. obviously, they wanted to shoot more than than uh, than they had. But um, anyway, I'll. That's where I'm at. Now we're at Karate Kid. That's how I got <laughs> the Karate Kid. Did that? That uh, I mean, that that became literally a cult phenomenon. Phenomenon. I can't even speak. Phenomenon. Yeah. Phenomenon. If that's how you say it, that came massive. To be fair, did that? Did that change things for you, or was it just just business as usual? You know, I. No, um, not right away. Uh, first of all. It didn't become what it is until the later years, until now, right. and maybe 10 years ago, you know, or 20 years ago. It didn't, it didn't have that kind of anticipation at that time. It was a movie, 
Okay, let's get into some cool stuff here, actually, because now this is a, a piece where this your listeners might find this interesting. The yeah, people cool. that put Karate Kid together were the same people that were doing the Rocky series. Okay. Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 4. All the, you know, John Avildsen was the director for Rocky 1. And um, when Karate Kid came out, came around, the, 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 exec, the, the producer, the executive producer, um, uh, Jerry Weintraub, uh, he was, he produced Rocky, and he, he, he was, he wanted this movie, this Karate Kid movie, to, to kind of sound, I mean, it's not sound, to kind of, kind of echo the whole Rocky thing, but in a kid's version of it. And yeah. so, it, it's not a coincidence that there's a lot of um, parallels between the two movies and the series. And um, I had a reason for telling you this. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. So, so the point is, is that, um, when the movie came out, no one knew if it was going to flop, what, what kind of, you know, what was it right. going to be? It, for that era, um, and for that, it was Columbia Pictures, it didn't really have uh, an enormous budget like some of the other movies, it, much in the way of Rocky. I mean, Rocky was, you know, made on a very small budget. Yeah. And, and so was this movie. And, you know, um, so when it came out, um, it took a little, I mean, it took people, people loved it. But it, it took a little, it sort of got into the, um, the DNA of, of, the, of society later on. It, it started to proliferate. And a lot of that had to do with uh, the eye of the tiger, you know, um, and, and that kind of Rocky, let's, you know, the Rocky thing and, and the same band that the did. Motivation all, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they, that, well, that's my point. They, they were bringing a lot of people over from the whole Rocky, um, that whole Rocky series to kind of work on the Karate Kid thing. So they wanted similar people. They had Bill Conti, who wrote all the music to Rocky. He was the same guy that was doing the back score yeah. for uh, Karate Kid. Fantastic and score. Uh, the biggest song the Rocky series ever ever uh, had was Eye of the Tiger, without a doubt. And so they wanted that band to sing the theme song and have them on the soundtrack. Of, About uh, foreshadowing Rocky. there, to be fair, Jeffrey, wasn't it? Huh? About foreshadowing going on there. <laughs> I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. So about foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Foreshadow. I'm sorry. Your accent, my accent. I'm sorry. I <laughs> know, yeah. Yeah, but, a little foreshadowing. Yeah. But ca so, carry on, carry on. Uh, anyway, the point is, is that, uh, um, uh, so that's, so you asked me, uh, I, I guess you were asking me, um, you know, did the, did the movie had a big impact on me? And, I, and to be honest with you, it, it didn't. Uh, in fact, it had the opposite effect um, oh. early on because when the movie was finished shooting, I was out of work and I was um, kind of out of people's minds. I, I wasn't able to go on uh, interviews during the year that I worked on it because I was contracted to stay with Columbia Pictures during the, um, you know, during the course of the filming. And uh, sorry, the phone's ringing here. Um, anyway, so, uh, um, excuse me. Uh, so the point is, is when the movie was over, I was kind of like, you know, done. And I looked around, I didn't have a, anything going musically and I couldn't get a job as an actor for whatever reason. Uh, it just wasn't in the cards at that time. And so it was a struggle for a few years. Then you got to remember the movie, um, movie didn't come out just when the movie's finished, it doesn't come out. It, it takes another year for it to go to post-production mm. and marketing and whatever they do. So for a year, it felt like uh, my life was over. What the hell am I going to do now? And it was kind of tough. You know, I went from, you know, being employed for the whole year to having to figure it all out again. So uh, at eight, was it 18, 17, 18? You know, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of tough. And plus, at that point, I was like, well, I don't like this acting thing. I, I got to get back into the music thing. And, and so there was that fight I was having inside my head. You know, but interestingly enough, as time has progressed, Karate Kid is now more important to me than it was then, uh, especially with the Cobra Kai series that, that, that is now, yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. just taken YouTube by storm. It's amazing how well that's doing. Um, but they're almost into their fourth season now. Um, and... Uh, there's a lot of references back to the early Karate Kid. Uh, so I get a kick out of seeing those little scenes every once in a while. And, and, uh, but people have become interested in talking to me about it more and more because now their kids' kids 
are are now asking about Karate Kid, and it's, it. it's unbelievable these these re- amazing uh, you know series of movies that they've been able to just you know stay uh, from generation to generation and make it relevant and make it relevant. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm going to put one into you right now. What do you think about the 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 remake of it? You mean the Cobra Kai series? No, no, I'm talking about the remake with um, with Jackie Chan. And... Oh, I'm sorry, the remake of Karate Kid. Yeah, what uh, do you think? I put out there. The, yeah. No holds barred here, Je- Jeffrey. No, no holds no. barred. No, hey, come on. I was in the original, uh, so I'm I'm kind of partial to the original. Um, it's just like a song, though. There's nothing wrong with recreating a song if you do something cool with it. I think. Um, but I don't know. I I think that sometimes Hollywood gets a little. Uh, they, they they think with their they think with their pocketbook instead of uh, instead of being creative. So, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of remakes unless there's a real special reason to do it. So there's your answer, I guess. I can't lie to you. That was such a political answer. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, so 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 after so, so you're sitting there, you you you're like 18. You're 18 years old. All yeah. the whole acting things are on. You're going to music. What made it? say to yourself you're like i i want to do this i want i want to go into this what was the the pivotal moment to say like i'm gonna go for it uh i was i was um 1986 and uh i was living with some friends uh in sherman oaks and uh i was out of work an out of work actor like so many actors in hollywood that same yeah you know and uh i was frustrated and um I wasn't doing what I thought I, I wasn't for whatever reason, I wasn't getting the gigs. And okay. um, during that year, it could be that the winds changed and, you know, young looking actors that were, you know, could play growing up films, didn't look that attractive anymore. I, I don't know what it was, but I wasn't getting the parts. And I, I, st- I sat up one day and said, um, well, if I'm not, if I'm going to be broke doing this, why don't I be broke doing something I love doing? And uh, so I, uh, I immediately realized I hadn't been keeping up on my music and doing what I wanted to do. I was doing a different path. And I, so I broke it. I broke. I just said, screw it. That's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to put a band together. I'm going to go back out. I'm going to do my thing. And it was a struggle for a few years. And, and uh, I mean, it's never not been a struggle. I mean, you know, being an artist uh, of any kind is is can be can be a can be can be kind of rough sometimes you know that, that's part yeah. of the territory i'm not saying it's not as rough as other people or less rough or more i'm just saying that there's some things that artists go through that are um unavoidable you know do you ever it's, think about do you ever think about just giving up at that point in time just think like why am i doing this no not really, really? i was at not at that time no i was only 20 um give up what i hadn't even done anything yet <laughs> you know uh, so no, I was discouraged many times. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many band interviews and, you know, auditions I went on that I didn't get, you know, um, I don't know. didn't bother me. It just, it just, I just kept pursuing it. I just kept going forward. So it was just the motivation to keep you going sort of thing, you know, just like, yeah. fuck well, everyone else. I'm just going to go and do what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a question of, um, I mean, I, I didn't have an ax to grind with anybody. It wasn't like, I'm going to prove this to you. It was just, uh, I knew what I loved. I knew, here it is, man. Getting up on stage, nothing like that. Even today. I mean, there's, I mean, you can be, I love being in the recording studio. I love to, to be on the spot working. But when you're on stage, and that's what's so hard about this pandemic right now, is that yeah. these kind of Zoom concerts, oh my they, God. they serve a good purpose. But yeah. unfortunately, they're a they're a poor, um, you know, replacement for the real thing, because man, you're not feeling that love, that energy coming off the audience. It's not the same. So I would have to say that's what drove me. You know, it's just yeah. I, I wanted I wanted to feel that more often. I mean, that's I mean that that's, that's that it is. So I, I was talking. I was actually talking to um, a comedian before, and she yeah. said exactly the same. She, there was she had like um a lot of um requests to oh can can you do zoom do zoom calls and all that sort of stuff and she went she did one and she went i'll i'll never do it again 
because oh, it's yeah. so weird because Do you, you don't have that atmosphere coming yeah. back and you don't have the the, 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 like if I tell a joke, she wasn't, the, 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 exactly. the crowd won't say yeah. nothing. You don't know how to react. Do you, uh, you know who Bill Maher is, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I, you, he's on HBO, you probably get that over there. Oh, um, him, yeah. Yeah, so the, um, I, I like his show and I watch him all the time, but, but the thing is, is that it's not, ever since this thing started, this, the, you know, the pandemic stuff, uh, he's doing his show, he's doing his stand-up bits, and there's no audience to, uh, to, to, to give them any love back. Yeah. And it's weird. I mean, you know, the rest of the show is fine, but the stand-up parts I could probably live without because I could see how uncomfortable it must be for him, you know? And I know it would be for me. I, I mean, that's it. It's, it's, it's a crazy time. What, do you think that now, I mean, what do you think the, the, the industry is going to be like after all this sort of shit's done? Oh, man. I mean, I think we're in the thick of it right now. I, I think yeah. we're too far in to, I mean, I don't think we're out of it yet to know exactly what's going to land where. I think it's going to definitely have an impact on live music, which it already has. But that could go two ways. Uh, you know, it, I think it ultimately, since you asked, I think it ultimately, ultimately is gonna come down on whether or not we get a handle on the virus. If there's a, if yeah. there's a vaccine and it's looking like it's gonna work and people are comf confident with it or a treatment, that's gonna change people's attitudes. If we go on for years, kind of like, kind of like AIDS was where people didn't know how long this was going to last? Are we going to have to live with this fear? Um, if that happens with this virus, then then I think you'll see much more uh, much more changes. But if, if people yeah. are more confident, you'll see fewer changes. Well, fingers fingers crossed, it's going to get to the better because as we, we were talking to you before, it's like um, yeah. there's nothing like um, like playing in front of a live audience, you know. And if, if no. that's been taken away from you, it takes such a lot of passion away from what you do sort of thing you know what i mean but it, it really does I, i'll be honest as a performer and and, and touring with uh, survivor i i, I got to be honest i'm i'm my the, the wind has been blown out of my sails i mean i'm just um you know i mean i, I do uh, i put up these videos i i practice i i work with uh, you know very few people you know in in close contact and it just feels like i've been strangled you know, it just, uh, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to paint a, a bad picture for me. I'm sure it's bad for everybody. Um, but, uh, you know, we all, we all, uh, internalize it our own way, you know, and well, for me, it's, it's been very stifling. It's been hard. No doubt. Without a doubt. Oh, no, it's, 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 it's been hard for everyone, as you say. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, so you, you mentioned you obviously this, the, uh, you were survivor there before. But beforehand, you, you you were doing a lot of different things beforehand, but it came to obviously the, I, I don't want to kind of overshadow what you did before from the, the 90s and 2000s and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like, it seems as if yeah. you were doing, you were doing literally everything, to be quite honest with you. Was whatever, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I've been in, I can't, countless bands, uh, you know, just... It, Especially lately, I mean, I'm still in, uh, aside from Survivor, I'm still in a bunch of bands that I play with, well, I used to play with on a regular basis, you know, I would be out today, you know, doing something, uh, traveling somewhere, you know, so uh, my, my career kind of has morphed from being a singer, songwriter, to being a musician, keyboardist, uh, I'm still a singer, um, but I don't get the calls to be the singer, I get the calls to be the keyboard player, and I'm I'm fine with that too. You know, is there a so, reason why? Um, what would you would you prefer being the singer, or would you prefer being the background? Uh, well, not the, I wouldn't say the background, but no, the, no. Like, it's just that um, you know everybody comes to music in their own way. Some people it's guitar, some people it's piano, some people it's voice. I I started the music singing. That was what I did. Um, so that'll never go away. But it's interesting that as the years have progressed, uh, I get these gigs as a keyboardist. And um, some people don't even know that I sing, you know, and it's kind of, it's so, so it's not a bad thing. It's just that um, 
that'll be my roots always. That'll be, yeah. that's, you know, if someone says, what's your main instrument? Well, <laughs> it's keyboards. That's what, that's how I make an earn. That's how I earn a living. But singing is really my first instrument. Oh, so do, do, do you get a bit like, can I, I was, you, you mentioned before, do you not get a little bit like, out a little bit can I put up when someone doesn't realize that you can do other things? No. Oh, well, I said that too quickly. Sometimes, sometimes, because uh, I mean, it depends who it is, because if, you, if you're hired to play keyboards for somebody else, you know, you, you're in a working relationship and they have a need that you're providing to them and it's not necessarily singing. So, you know, in that situation, it's professional and I get it. You know, right. I, I mean, if you if you went into a store and you asked a salesman for a particular item and they kept trying to sell you something else, you, you'd probably walk out. Yeah, you know, course. so you have to be, there's a certain uh, professionalism that, that comes along with that. But other people that ask or want or want that, I'm willing to offer it, sure. That's cool. That's cool. So, but you, you mentioned keyboard. You, I mean, you can play many, many instruments, to be quite honest with you. What, well, dry, what, what kind of draws you to keyboard, to be fair? Oh, wow. Well, my first... Um, instrument was guitar or I would singing obviously but then I moved to guitar to try to try to uh, um, support myself singing um, and I I am still a guitar player and I still play guitar but I don't view that as something that is my main instrument you know or, or something that that I'm focused on I found keyboards about two years after I started playing guitar and I had a few lessons on guitar and and, and you know kind of went that route but in school, I studied, um, you know, I studied music uh, theory for years, and I, I took counterpoint, all kinds of stuff that a piano player would take, but I wasn't a piano player. I didn't know how to play the instrument, but I knew how to write the music. I could read the music, but didn't, didn't know how to do the two. Isn't that interesting? Because most people learn how to play piano from a young age with sheet music, and then they learn theory based on that. But I was I see, yeah. I had a world of, of, of knowledge of theory and how music works without an instrument. And then I applied it to the keyboards and suddenly I found, oh, light went on. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Every key is, 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 is right there in front of you. I don't have to figure out what my hands are doing. I love this. And, and I, um, I don't know, it's been me and keyboards ever since I was 15. So it was, it was literally like a calling. It was just calling to you. Well, what's interesting is the piano that was in my parents' house when I was growing up was a crappy piano. It was, it was a, an antique, but it was in tune. It was playable. Yeah. And I was told not to touch it because my sister was supposed to learn how to play the piano. That was her thing. And a uh, year would go by and she would she'd walk right by it, never touch it. <laughs> and I would, I would tink, you know, hit it a few times. Jeff, that's not for you. Right. And then when I got into school and I started learning more about how theory worked, I was starting to apply it to an instrument and go, oh, that's an A chord. There we go. OK. And then people, that's when I, I just said, screw it. I'm taking it over. It's mine now. And, and so that's that's I, I only my only regret was that I wasn't I didn't discover that five or 10 years earlier. Yeah. You know, it took till I was 15. Well, to be fair, when you're 15, it's still quite a uh, kind of young age to get into it. To be yeah. Quite fair. I probably uh, had an advantage because I had such a good background of music training, uh, just not directed toward piano. It was just music. Yeah, so I got sort of music brain behind you already. Exactly. And I understood what I was looking at. It wasn't like I had to figure music out, too. I, I just had to figure out how to get my hands to do what the music was telling me to do. And then once I put the two together, it, it was much easier. So I, 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 came, I came around piano a very different way than most pianists learn. So it gives me, a, I, I guess I have a different voice. That's the other thing to mention is that as a singer, you learn to communicate with your voice. That's what you're doing. Just like we're having a, a, a conversation, that's yeah. what singing is. You're having a conversation. Well, I was able to apply that to playing an instrument. And... Um, and that's what an instrument is. It's another form of communication. So it, it, to me, even at a young age, it was easy for me to, to just, it's another way of singing. Okay, I get it. You know, so that's, that's how uh, I fell in love with piano. 
so a, a way to express yourself more sort of thing, you know? Yeah, it was very expressive for me. I can sit down at any piano and just get lost for an hour, two hours. Wow. Just sit and play. I, I just, there's so much expression. I'll never discover it all. Is that, is that when you, you kind of went forward with, it, with obviously the piano and the keyboard and all that sort of stuff and kind of made that your mainstay? Well, yeah. I, my, when I was uh, at that age, I was also trying to record myself. Uh, I had some good teachers. And, and one lesson was always, you know, the tape recorder. Back then we had tape. But the tape recorder doesn't lie. Okay. Because no, I would argue, that's in tune. No, that's not in tune. Go back, listen to the tape. And I go back and listen, damn it, wasn't in tune. So you have to train your brain to know what that's gonna sound like before it comes out, not the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> Tape is a great, or recording is a great, incredible way to uh, fast track that. I mean, if you're playing something and play it back, you can adjust it, you get, you get real feedback. Anyway, the point was, is that I got so involved at that age in wanting to record myself, I got a little four track, uh, cassette four track and I started messing around with effects and um, that led me to wanting uh, a keyboard so I my first keyboard was a, a profit five synth from sequential circuits which I wish I still had because um, that thing would probably be worth a fortune right now it's a it's a it's a collector's item but right uh, I had a synthesizer because I couldn't be downstairs playing the piano while my dad was watching tv yeah. So I, I had a synth and I had my little four track and I started making my little demos and that's how I learned how to do all the studio stuff. So yeah, that's how, that's how I moved on to keyboards, I guess. Plus, you know, piano is not a, I don't know if you notice, but you really don't move a piano very often. <laughs> if you're in a band, you need a keyboard. So yeah. at that age, keyboards were necessary. You know. you think do you think there's a difference between piano and keyboard? And I mean, I know it's a bit of a dumb question, uh, but mm. what what would you say would be the massive difference between the two? Well, it depends on the keyboard. I mean, first of all, um, you have to understand what they are. A piano is an analog instrument. It's a real instrument with strings and uh, a body, and and you know, uh, it's got a soundboard, and it's like a guitar in itself, but only flat. And these hammers are hitting the strings. So, I mean, there's so many things going on on a piano that have to be captured in a digital sample to be created back onto a keyboard. You, it's not the same. It's not the same. You don't get any of the same uh, feeling that you get playing a piano. Uh, but that said, the keyboard, depending on what it is, uh, they have, you know, I've got my motif over here. Uh, these, these are instruments too but they are instruments in a different way. They have their expressive capabilities um, that are not capable on a piano and vice versa. So, yeah. you know, um, and then you've got a range of keyboards. You got shitty ones and you got really great ones. So, you know, then you got that to, to deal with. So um, to answer your question, uh, it's kind of yes and no, you know, it's, it's some, some keyboards are, are very expressive and, and that's what you, uh, do I find playing on a, a keyboard like this more interesting than that not necessarily um but in a band situation i'm not just playing keys i'm playing organ yeah. you know i'm playing synth i've got a rhodes or some other instrument going on and so it's part of the tapestry of what you're creating hope that wasn't too long-winded of an answer oh no no not at all not at all because it answers a lot of questions that i was actually going to follow up on so you're doing all right oh, okay <laughs> So, you know, when every time I speak to a musician, I always ask them, have you got a random, like a random instrument that means just, just, a, just one of these random instruments sort of thing that you have no idea what it does and you'll never play it, but you, you just want it. You uh, had one of them? I have most of the instruments I want. Um, but if you're talking about something that isn't necessarily a keyboard, just an odd instrument. Yeah, just, just like an odd thing. Because every time I speak to, I speak to a lot of mates, and every time they're, they're guitarists, they're bassists, they're yeah. drummers. And they all, they, they all go on holiday, and they all come back with these random stuff. There was, oh, I'm a drummer, because I like this. And it's like shells and all that, and it's weird. Have you got yeah. any some like, kind, of, like, kind of weird instruments that you decide no. to kind of latch onto? Not, not me, because I'm fortunate that... Uh, the Fender Rhodes and the Wurlitzers and Clavinets, they're still 
a use for them in today's music. I mean, they're oh, not okay. as prevalent and they're not as easy to, to, to mobilize, but um, those instruments that were created in the 70s have a piano-like existence in that they're real instruments. They mm. actually are doing something. When you hit a key, something else is striking something else. So you yeah. have, so that's why they're very expressive. And um, no, I, I, uh, I can't imagine a, a particular keyboard that would be so bizarre. I mean, there's, there's definitely, definitely some interest, interesting instruments. I'm in a band uh, with some people that uh, this guitar player is really, uh, you know, obviously loves Jimmy Page. And uh, he's got, uh, I say obviously when I tell you the instrument, he's got a hurdy-gurdy that, uh, oh. that he uh, is dying to bring on stage. And we don't know how to incorporate it yet. Um, but there's an instrument that I, I look at and I go, what the hell do you do with that? You know. <laughs> How's that going to work, to be quite honest <laughs> with you? It's like, I don't even know what. Yeah, it, it, it makes no sense to me, but it's so cool. And, uh, you know, it's a real instrument. Well, that's it. As long as it looks good on stage, that's the main thing, to be quite yeah. honest, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, in, in the, at this time in our, in our lives, uh, electronics have become so important in the recreation of music that when you do bring on something like a hurdy-gurdy or a clavinet or a B3, people, people actually are, are a little bit more taken by it because it's something that uh, you can emulate with something else. Yeah. But to see the real deal is kind of cool. Uh, that, that, yeah, I can admit that. That is kind of cool, to be fair. When you see it yeah. on stage, giving it some, you're like, yes, this is amazing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize, okay, that's why they use these. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it's like there's a reason why these are made. To be quite honest with you, yeah. they look weird, but they give some belting sounds yeah. out. Well, you know, they're just not used as often because if they're not, they're not cost effective. You know, yeah, they're very that's heavy. Strange. They take many people to move often, and they don't stay in tune. They're real instruments, you know. Yeah. So, 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 so when I want to talk to you about what, coming fast forward to sure. like more a little bit more present i want to talk to you about the survivor the survivor days of jeffrey bryan at the minute you know how did that come around because there are there are belts and bands what makes me laugh is as i mentioned before it's about foreshadowing from beforehand um with obviously survivor doing all that sort of yeah. music before and now you're a part of them to be fair yeah well interestingly my connection to karate kid is absolutely just uh, completely, you know, coincidental. It, it, it wasn't that I even knew who they were when I was 18. Um, we, all knew, we all knew The Eye of the Tiger, which came out, what, 82? Um, and Rocky, of course, and it was a big hit, especially, on, you know, in the Midwest. But on the West Coast, there were so many bands that I liked that I really, I didn't tune in to Survivor right away. Um, obviously, uh, there's been some really great songs that they have done that I did know very well from that era. But um, the Karate Kid connection is just so, so strange and interesting. It, 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 there, there was no um, connection that they knew me or I knew them, uh, anything like that. Uh, you asked me where, I, where they came from or where I came to meet them. Uh, it's a good question. <laughs> I don't have the answer. I got a, I, 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 and that's the, I'm not, I'm not being uh, funny here. I'm, I'm being honest. I, 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 uh, I, I told you, I, I play a lot. I, I'm performing all the time. Uh, if it wasn't Survivor, I'm performing with other bands. Uh, they're not necessarily famous bands, but they, they work a lot. And yeah. so I'm always playing and I know a lot of musicians, of course. So I don't know, I got an email one day that said, hey, you want to play for Survivor? <laughs> that's like the best email ever it's like what, what? it's the best and the worst because you look at it and you're like okay who's playing a joke on me? <laughs> you know and so i didn't answer the email for for days i was like this is oh, a joke really yeah i didn't know what to make of it and so i just finally said you know what sure i just I, my answer was yet yeah. more info i'm listening <laughs> yeah go on <laughs> and uh, it turned out it turned out to be the the um, the uh, the band's management from Irving Azoff's office. Wow! And uh, so it was real. It was legit. And, uh, it was legit. Yeah. Good job. You didn't so, go back with something going fuck you. You know, bed. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Or or Nairobi Prince. You know, was gonna offer you <laughs> two million dollars. Exactly. 
but um, yeah, it was really exciting because um, wow, I mean, w what a what a an amazing band from you know just that their history is just crazy. Oh yeah, and um, to be a, just to even be just part of that in some minor way uh, is an honor, you know, and, uh, and, and a thrill every time I'm on stage with them. So um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, uh, I was going to say the the um, the process of getting in with them, you know, was was fairly quick. Uh, they must have done some research on me, and, and and of course they flew me to Chicago where they're based, and we played a little in auditions, and uh, and then it, it, we went on from there. But uh, that, you know, that's that's all I got on that. I mean, I don't, I really don't, don't, I, can't I don't have a great, I have great stories about all kinds of things. I don't have one about that, and that was <laughs> one of the most important events in my recent life. Yeah, and it's just an email. An email, <laughs> and that's it. But the thing is, though, I can't believe you even had to you audition for them. Did you not walk in there and go, hold on a minute, do you not know who I am? You know what I mean? Uh, the Hollywood, no, no. The well, Hollywood style. Well, hold on a second. You got to remember that, that um, those guys, I mean, there's me with my little dinky, whatever I do, and then there's them with, you know, massive hits, world-renowned songs. They've worked with some of the best producers on the planet, Ron Nevison, you know, uh, Frank Filippetti, all these amazing people. Uh, and um, key, I'm not the only keyboard player they've ever seen, you know. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Dragon played on, on uh, That's right, yeah. a, a lot of their songs uh, because it was recorded, some of their albums, I think, I'm, I hope I say this right, um, the Eye of the Tiger album. Uh, no, the one before that. One of the, the Survivor albums before that with Poor Man's Son, they produced it, Rumbo. Right. Uh, and um, I know that, uh, that Daryl Dragon played on that from Captain and Tennille. Uh, they had, they had some, uh, you know, Peter Wolf played on a lot of this stuff. I'm just amazing, amazing players. So no, no, if anything, I was intimidated. <laughs> That's, yeah. a, that's fair enough that's fair enough but um so i mean it's i mean we're going to go back when you say you've got a, a, a um story i mean you've been around literally the majority of the the best places to play live in i mean what would you say would be like the pivotal moment when you say yeah fucking hell this is amazing like uh you mean a venue that i thought was amazing yeah basically yeah just sit there and go shit what the fuck is going on right now you know what i mean there, there's been some uh, amazing venues. I mean, there's been big venues in uh, the Midwest that we play that, that, that you wouldn't know because they're, they, they like, uh, you know, at the, uh, like at a racetrack and it's 30,000 people, you know, stuff like that. It's just mind boggling. You're like, oh my God, there's a lot of people. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of partial to the smaller venues, the uh, the more intimate places. I I'll, I always have a fond a fondness for uh, for Ro the Roxy. I love that place. I started yeah. there. And the Troubadour is another beautiful room. I hope they make it through this. Um, I know they're having trouble. Um, really? You know, I, you know, I've I've played it all. The whiskey, uh, you know, shit. I was at the whiskey just uh, in February, right right before they announced the. Uh, with Access TV, uh, it's a cable TV show that the world's greatest tribute bands. I was in one of the bands. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, that was at the Roxy on February 20th or something. And uh, I'm not the Roxy, I'm sorry, the Whiskey. And, whiskey. Um, you know, the Whiskey's kind of small. I'm not crazy about the stage, but it's got so much history. The Doors played there, for crying. I'm standing where Jim yeah. Morrison stood, you know. Well, so, I mean, didn't it? Yeah, it's like literally everyone I mean, knows that place. I mean, I played big venues, but sometimes the bigger the venue, the the less, the less, the less feeling there is. They're they're more industrial. Um, it's the rooms. I, I don't know if you you wouldn't remember this. Maybe some of your viewers from LA, the Palace used to be on Vine, right? And uh, I used to go see The Fix and Richard Marks and Berlin, and they all played these this place called the Palace, and the Palace um, was just an absolutely gorgeous theater. Like the Pantages played there too. Pantages Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. So, um, so I, I, to answer your question, uh, uh, the Coliseums are great and whatever. But what, what's nice are to me the, the smaller, more intimate rooms that have history. They they make a lot. They they yeah. they uh, they resonate with me. 
Fantastic, fantastic. So I was going to ask you, right, the industry you're in can be obviously cutthroat and crazy and all that sort of stuff, but there's obviously some good side of stuff in it. There's obviously some highlights in it as well. What would you say would be the best thing and the worst thing about what you're in right now? Wow. The worst thing is obvious. People. You know, this is a people business. Um, it's a social business. And um, without that connection, you know, I've always wanted to be in a band. I never was a lead. I never wanted to have a solo career. I wanted to be in a band. Yeah. And there's something about being in a band that is a social thing. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a community. So I miss that. That's the hardest thing right now is, is that community. I try to stay in touch with people, but even, even three months, I'm starting to see a little bit of, of, of this happening, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And uh, I, I, I worry about, you know, some of the relationships having to be reworked on again when we're able to be together. Yeah. So that's, that's a fear for me. Um, the best thing about this situation is something we touched upon earlier is the creativity that it's causing, you know, um, you know, when you're, when you're handed a, a bunch of lemons, you, you make lemonade and that's what people are, are trying to do. And I'm seeing brilliant things happening, you know, uh, online with people's videos and, and, um, recreations of older songs and, and writing new ones. And so that's probably, that's probably the best thing, you know, I mean, that's sort of the, the silver lining, if you will. Maybe I'm writing more than I would have. But do, you, do, you, do you struggle writing in this sort of situation or is it nice and calming for you to do such a thing like that? Oh, yeah. It's, no, it's not a struggle. I mean, writing is, is fun. You know, um, it, it's fun whether you're collaborating or it's fun alone. It, it's, with, you know, it's what we do. So it's, no, not frustrating. Nah, it's fucking quality. You know? Quality. Yeah. So, Jeff, so, so Jeffrey, what's next? What is going on next for you? Because you've got your, you've got, you're doing everything right now. And I just want to know what's going on in the future after obviously this pandemic. Yeah. And the crap goes on. What's next for you? What's well, going on? Well, um, let's see. In an hour, I'll probably be sitting here. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I, I can't wait for this to be over. I'm sure I speak for everybody. But um, what's next for me is I'm, I'm hoping to resume with Survivor. I mean, we were on the middle, we were in the middle of, uh, of kind of getting back back at it. Um, they've had a, I don't know if, how much you know about the band, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. 2014, Jimmy Jameson passed away, their lead singer, the, the, the amazing right, Jimmy yeah. Jameson that sang all those great hits on, on Vital Signs and Beyond. And um, not to mention, you know, uh, Dave Bickler's not in the band anymore. So they had a little bit of a, uh, yeah, kind of a struggle trying to figure out what to do and how they wanted to get, and now, you know, we've got Cameron Barton, who's a phenomenal singer, and uh, he just, he just blows, blows me away, especially at 25. He's just amazing. And um, we sound good, and we were just starting to kind of get rolling again, and then this happened. So I'm hoping that that picks up, uh, and we can pick up where we left off, maybe even a bigger way, hopefully. Um, and then for me personally, I, I have a couple pet projects that I, I'm working on. One of them is a, a band called the K-Tel All-Stars. Yes, which, um, I was going to ask you about them, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, that, it's my favorite era of music. And I was too young to fully experience it. But my favorite era is the 70s. Uh, from 1970 to 1979, songwriters and singers and, and musicians in that era kind of, to me, they laid the groundwork for what craft is, what song crafting is. You know, the guys like Andrew Gold and, uh, you know, these, these amazing ELO, Jeff Lynn, and all these guys that are just writing these amazing tunes and producing. And they could yeah. all play so well because that was the only way to do it was if you made a mistake, you had to do it again from the beginning. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of cut and pasting going on. That's it. Yeah, it's all, it's all cut and dry. It's literally bare bones back then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 um, well, my, my point was, though, is that... Um, Getting back to the KTEL thing, these these uh, it's sort of a recreation of those songs, um, and we're very detailed about it. And it's a really fun band, really really fun group of people, and um, uh, it's sort of a pet project of mine. I get to play some some of my vintage keyboards, 
because uh, they're appropriate in those situations because that's how they played them. And uh, we get to wear some fun clothes and, and put on. And, 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 and uh, that, that band has a life of its own. It, it, it's, we're playing Vegas. We, in fact, uh, we were supposed to be in Atlanta last week. <laughs> that happened. Oh, uh, no. We were we were supposed to be. Um, we had a gig in in Ohio. Uh, we're playing a festival there. Um, you know, just everything just kind of is done for now. But uh, yeah, I'm look. I look forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun to to get back with my KTEL guys. Just basically hoping everything gets back open so you can get back out in the road and do we yeah. do best, mate? To be fair. Yeah, I get to sing in that band too, so it's a lot of fun. Oh, really? Oh, Christ, do they know what they let themselves in for? I say that again? I said, do they know what they let themselves in for? Yeah, well, everybody in that band sings, so. Oh, there you go. Know. So I'll be rude not I, to but, then, but wouldn't it? To, to be, you know, full disclosure here, I'm still pissed I'm not singing more. <laughs> that, if they that's that, yeah. Get a How dare you put me in the background? <laughs> well, there. because... Yeah, right. You can't put baby in the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. That's because uh, the drummer is a fantastic singer. Uh, the lead right. singer is a fantastic singer. Everybody sings in this band. So it's like we're constantly beating each other for I'm yeah. singing that song. No, that's my song. I'm like, well, what makes it your song? I grew up with that song. And really? <laughs> <laughs> this could, I'm not going to lie to you, Jeff, but this could cause some tensions in the future, to be fair, buddy. Yeah. But you know what? I, I still play it. keyboards, so no one's <laughs> going to take that chair. So okay, and I, you know, it's 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 like being in a family. You know, you have your you have your squabbles, but at the end of the True. day, it's what's best. It's what's yeah. best for the what works for the the band. Exactly, so. that's it. Exactly, exactly. So Jeff, well, we we've been chatting for a long time, and I want to kind of wrap up, but. I'm going to have to say thank you so much for joining us right now. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It's listening to you with your, obviously, what you've been, uh, your expertise and your knowledge is coming out has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much, Ryan. I, I, uh, I really enjoyed this, this uh, format too. This was very relaxing and <clears throat> I, I really enjoyed talking, to, talking with you. So thank you for having me. So yeah, so Jeff, so where, where can we, we've, you've got your, when you get everyone to your, um, your Facebook page, because you've been bringing, you're, you've been doing some cracking stuff on there, haven't you? I just uh, decided to start recording songs I like. Yeah. Because uh, people have asked me, hey Jeff, will you do this one? Will you do that one? And I'm like, maybe, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of going through the catalog of my life and just picking songs that kind of, kind of have a meaning for me. Um, and I'm also going back and playing some of my songs that I haven't played in a long time that I recorded with other bands. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm enjoying doing that. And it's sort of rediscovered uh, being alone in, in your room recording, you know, like I did when I was a kid. Well, that's it. It's going back to old school. And what you need to do, and after this is all over, Jeff, you need to get your guys over to the UK and actually do some touring over here for a change. Yes, yes. We want to. Yeah. Then we can have a proper party. That's that's yeah. when that's when yeah. shit goes down. You know what I mean? We we have to stay in touch, definitely. <laughs> definitely, we'll get it done. Well, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure. Have an absolutely amazing day, and uh, we'll catch up. Hopefully, I say, well, let's catch up soon later on in the year when everything's yeah. back to normal. And, anytime, uh, man. We can do the business. Yeah, just just hit me up. I, I'd be happy to talk with you anytime. No problem at all. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, Ryan. Have a great day.